0: Everybody. (sighs) (laughs) Okay. So hello East and downtown and online and TV and wherever you are, and hello everyone at West. Uh this sermon needs a disclaimer, okay? So this is how this is gonna work. So this is why I, I need you actively involved in this because well, we'll just see where this goes, but it's going to have the appearance, the feel, <laughs> as though I personally just came up with the idea for this sermon on this particular week, in this moment, uh, and I just gotta tell you, about three or four years ago, about three or four years ago, uh, God began to do some stuff in my own heart and mind, and, uh, it's made its way to where eventually I was like uh, now probably six months ago God's uh, in a group of us going all right put this into a sermon in this time frame so we do so just the disclaimer is some of you are going to think that I'm very specifically talking about let's just say the pandemic now this is relevant but here's what I want you to be willing to do This sermon is not so much of a tactical sermon where you and I leave today and you're like, I'm going to go do A, B, and C, exactly. This is more of perhaps the way that you and I see this world and the way you and I think needs room for God to challenge it, okay? I know the majority of everything that I just said makes zero sense to anyone right now, but let me help. Here's where I wanna start, this phrase, be safe. Now you're like, oh, now I know what he's talking about. Be safe. It's typically how we have a tendency to end most conversations nowadays. An email, blah, 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 blah. Be safe. <laughs> right? Or goodbye, I love you, be safe. right? It's, now some of you are like, is that bad now? <laughs> no. What I'm just bringing up is, it is extremely prevalent. Be safe. Here, we live in a culture strongly committed to safety. Now, again, I need you to go slow with this. Before you like, tune me out and be like, what's wrong with that, right? Before you're so grossly offended, uh, I'm not against safety. We have a two-year-old in our house, okay? Which means many of the plug-ins still have the plastic covers over them because he loves to put anything metal inside of those still. And after he does it and passes out, and we, I'm just kidding, no. But, <laughs> but we, I'm talking, it's, it's regular vigilance still in our home, especially the fourth kid. It's like they're born with a, let's test everything known to man. That's, so I'm, I'm not against being safe. <laughs> I, when I, when I ride a motorcycle, I wear a helmet, as should you. That doesn't fly in South Dakota, I know. But anyways, uh, I wear a seatbelt, not just because it's against, anyways, I just think it's wise. Here's what we don't, I, our home, we don't unlock the doors at night and then open them up and then go to sleep and be like, man, that was great. Most of us lock the doors. I I think that's wise to lock your doors, to wear seatbelts. We we don't do weird stuff. I don't drink an Americano right off the bat, okay? You got to let it simmer a little bit. Let it just kind of chill out. Okay, so I'm not against all things safe. But I bring it up. I just think God wants us to bring it up. Because there's a problem. We live in a culture right now that would say that the life's pursuit here, our appetite for safety is leading us in dangerous settings. Here, uh, our appetite for safety is leading us to reject any kind of sacrifice or suffering. We're going to stay here for a second. Like, what's the danger in, in a culture, which I would say that our culture really, really values, uh, uh, relies on, depends on, pushes this idea of not just physical safety, but emotional safety. Like, you've gotta be safe, be safe, make, make everything about life as safe as possible, lower all of the risks that you possibly can, and have the fences as high as you can. That's, that's culture. Problem is, it has many of us going well, then I can't really do all the things that God would ask me to do. In fact, we're not even saying that. We're saying God wouldn't ask me to do that because it's not safe. Meanwhile, we wrestle with what the Bible teaches us. You, you know that the Bible uh, asked the dude to sacrifice his only son. You do know that the Bible is full of details about the disciples being called by Jesus, right, to go spread the gospel, and almost all of them lost their heads over it. Okay. So could, and there's just a potential, could the way that Christians nowadays see the world be at odds with what God wants us to do? And I think many of us are just pursuing and thinking that safety is the best place, the, the awesomest place, and it's got many of us unwilling to sacrifice for God because here's what many of us are thinking. Just process this with me. That, that if, if something seems reasonable, if it makes sense to you, if it seems like the natural route to go, Most of us then connect God to it and say it's God's will for my life because, well, this just made the most sense. It locked in. I totally get it. It has the best uh, possible outcomes to it. It must be God. Meanwhile, there's a story in the Bible where God tells a dude, you need to get married. And I found a prostitute for you to marry. That makes no sense to you and I. That seems, like, irrational. And if you're unwilling, if you're unwilling to sacrifice for God uh, at the sake of safety, you're gonna find yourself having an apathetic relationship with God. You will find yourself having a faith that seems like, wow, this isn't great, it seems kind of boring, or just, like, nothing's happening. Could many of us be in danger if it's not God's problem, it's ours, Then there's a suffering part. No one wants suffering. Come on, please don't wake up and be like, God, please bring the suffering. Most of us do not want this. I don't want this. You don't want this. But your refusal and unwillingness to suffer, uh, many times, in fact, if we're unwilling to have pain, that makes any kind of suffering catastrophic to our faith. Because as soon as we face pain, we're like, God, what's up, man? Like, thought thought you were the all-loving God. And now I'm having to face this. Do you see, I think, I think our overvaluing or misunderstanding of safety in this world today has us completely out of whack with God where we don't get him. He seems like not the kind of God that we want. So we gotta deal with it. So if you're willing to like actually stay in there room during the rest of the sermon because I know this is will be offensive I want to introduce you to a guy named uh, Peter if you don't know him Uh, Peter was one of the disciples one of the three closest to Jesus Uh, he was uh, rather outspoken and uh, at one time Jesus looks at him and says I'm going to basically build the church off of you this is going to be amazing I'm going to use you guys and and Peter was a major part of that So if you've ever wondered, like, if you ever wanted to sit down with Jesus, uh, maybe you're not gonna get that today, but you could have a conversation or at least learn from a guy who sat down with Jesus literally and say, what do you have to say about all of this? Because if you can get close to the people who are close to Jesus, there's also something to learn. So what's uh, Peter have to say about, suffering, pain, and all that wonderful stuff? Uh, But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats verse 17 remember it is better to suffer It is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants if that is what God wants if you don't know how to translate that that means at times you are going through suffering that God is allowing and even wanting you to go through some of us like but that's not very safe I know that if that's what what God wants then suffer for doing then to suffer for doing wrong Christ suffered for all of our sins. Christ suffered. Christ suffered for our junk. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He'd never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, and he was raised to life in the Spirit. Chapter 4, so then... Since Christ suffered, you getting a theme here yet? I'm hoping, yeah, okay. Uh, Since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials. (laughs) Uh, you are go- I'm just trying to help us like, enjoy this. Uh, you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Verse 16, but it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. It is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Verse 19 brings it up again. So if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on suffering. You feel the mood right now? you like, this sermon is horrible. So if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives, trust your lives to the God who created you for he will never fail you. That's just one dude in a short amount of time going, suffer, 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 suffer. You're gonna suffer. You should just figure out a way to enjoy it. Then, if you don't like any of that, someone will be like, I don't like Peter. I don't wanna be around him at all. So Jesus, Jesus' actual words in John, here on earth you will, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Do you need me to read you more verses or are are, are we? I think we're like, okay, suffering and pain and sacrifice and difficulty in life according to the Bible. I'm not talking about according to culture. I'm not even talking about according to psychologists or your best friends, and definitely not according to social media. I'm talking about according to the Bible, that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, not only is it possible that you will encounter suffering and non-safe environments, you should expect it, anticipate it, and potentially embrace it. So the lesson your safety is good, but it is not God. And I think we are in a culture now that says, mm, I think safety might be equal to God or be exactly what God is. In fact, because I have some in my home, Uh, if you haven't learned about teenagers as of late, especially even going off to college, uh, they have been studied and I'm gonna tell you a little bit about high schoolers and college students. Uh, They're studying them, asking them questions and what we're finding is the mass majority of them, high schoolers and college students, are living in actual, full of fear and anxiety. Now some of us are like, yeah, social media, that's the problem, that's the issue, right? Some of us would say, well, it's an awareness of new sciences and stuff like that. No. According to the data, that generation of high schoolers and college students have been raised in a society that is so overvalued safety that we have a generation afraid to do anything unsafe. Actually, they think they shouldn't have to do anything unsafe. That's why some of you, this messes with you. You're like, why is safety a bad thing? It's not unless you make safety God. There's a book called The Coddling of the American Mind. I read it for you so you don't have to. Uh. <laughs> so I read this, and it brought up a word that I had never heard of until I read the book. This is based on studies done of colleges. And what they're finding specifically at colleges, safetyism is the word, I've never heard of that. Safetyism refers to a culture or belief system in which safety has become a sacred value. Now here's the problem, someone was going, but it is a sacred value. See, that's what we're we're inundated with this. Which means that people become unwilling to make trade-offs demanded by other practical and moral concerns. Safety trumps everything else, no matter how unlikely or trivial the potential danger. So Christians now, we're living this way, where we're looking at life going, that's unsafe, that's unsafe, that's unsafe. So if I don't find anything safe, I just stay put and do nothing. Or you look for the safest door. Huh. Uh, There's more quotes. A culture that allows the concept of safety to creep in so far that it equates emotional discomfort with physical danger is a culture that encourages people to systematically protect one another from the very experiences embedded in daily life that they need, that they need in order to become strong and healthy. So if you take that and plug that into your faith in God, meaning if you've ever had this, which I have, where I've been in this moment going, I feel like my my faith in God is about as weak as possible. Have you ever had a time where your relationship with God felt like just weak and dry and apathetic and like, what's the problem? If you take this, it could be not that God has walked away from you, it's that you've been unwilling to do what God has asked of you because it was unsafe. It wasn't rational. It didn't line up. It didn't match the best advice you've been given by someone else. Yeah. <clears throat> the safety is um is considered by some especially our culture a virtue let me, let, let me teach virtues can become vices right but that's scratch out vices virtues can become idols uh, if you're ever on the internet which I mean if you choose not to be I'm jealous uh, we live in a time now that does what's, it's called virtue signaling, uh, where we, we project virtues onto other people. And what you're seeing is, is instead of hating it, I just want you to see it's, it's, it's what's going on in culture where we are valuing something so much that we're worshiping certain things and we're throwing our idols at people because we're so mad that they don't value the idols. And for many of us, we take a good thing and we've made it an idol. That's what the devil does. The devil takes wonderful God-given things and likes to manipulate it. It's why, well, next week we're gonna talk about sex. God created it and we've messed it up. But see, safety has become something in our lives that we've begun to worship to where many of us wake up. And and uh, the first thing is not, hey God, whatever you want today, even if it's crazy, I'm gonna do it. It's let's go about the most safe, reasonable approach today, and that probably honors God. We've made it an idol. Uh, In this series, Appetite, what we're talking about is idolatry or idols. Tim Keller talks about this. Uh, Talking about idolatry here, it is anything more important to you than God. That's why I'm talking about safety. I'm not saying that safety is bad, but perhaps, perhaps it's taken the throne in your life. It is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you what only God can give. It's why some of us as parents struggle even ever letting our kids out of our sight. We don't like it. It Messes with us. And perhaps that is just a tactic of the devil to not let your kids explore as they ought to, right? You see, it's doing stuff to us, and we've gotta bring it up and let the Bible teach us, like, God, what do you have to say about this issue and, and culture that seems so okay? Um, so, I'm gonna introduce you to a, another guy uh, in the Bible, but before we go there, I wanna give you an anchor point, like, so, pastor said, like, don't value safety as much, and we all go home without our seat belts on, driving 90 miles an hour going, freedom, finally, right? Like we think like this is the way to go. That, no, that's not the approach to this. What do we do with it? Is it just go be riskier people? Is that the answer? No. So here's the anchor point, and then I'll show you the scripture that, that speaks this. Our understanding of eternity should inform our appetite for safety if you wanna know what to do with the idol of safety, if you wanna know what to do with our being consumed by emotional safety, physical safety, spiritual safety, if you wanna know, like, like, what do I do with this? How do I keep this out of my soul? What you do is you gotta talk about eternity because safety has us consumed with the temporary. So to fight this, you and I have to actually understand that the worst thing that can happen to us Isn't death. It's not. So, uh, a guy named Paul, if you don't know Paul, Paul was a guy who uh, actually, uh, he went after Christians, was chasing down Christians, imprisoning Christians, having Christians killed, and was, was trying to literally squelch out what's called the way, the way of Jesus, what you and I know is Christianity. He was trying to get rid of it. All of a sudden, God gets a hold of him. He has this epic, miraculous moment with God and decides to not imprison Christians, but get this, to start churches. So in his pursuit of starting churches, he starts them, but can't be with them all the time. And they did not have email or texting at that time. So he wrote them letters after he left them. And those letters that he would write to these churches, this guy that used to chase down Christians but now is starting churches, he would write them letters. You and I have those letters, they're in your Bible. The New Testament is full of these letters written by this guy. And he writes to these churches who I think were wrestling a little bit with what you and I wrestle with. On trying to follow Jesus Christ safely so I thought let's read some of this it'll mess with you ya. yay this all right Philippians and I want you to know my dear brothers and sisters that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news if you don't know what that means let's keep reading for everyone here including the whole palace guard there's a clue knows that I am in chains there's a clue because of Christ and because of my imprisonment, answer, uh, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message with fear. So if you're missing it, he's in prison. He's chained. What gets me is if you were in prison for sharing who Jesus is, I don't know what your attitude would be. You know what mine would be? The food stinks here. Come on. That's I would be so frustrated for not doing anything that was wrong, going like, what in the world? This isn't fair, this isn't right, this isn't the best life. Yep. Paul's like, man, it's amazing what God's doing here. He's suffering. I think think you and I would agree that someone who's extracted from their family and friends, out of their normal, put into chains, locked down, can't do what they wanna do, I would say that's suffering. That counts as suffering. And what does he choose to do in the moment of his suffering? He does not say, this isn't safe. Don't do what I've told you. Stop telling people about Jesus. He says, whoa, God's using this. Could God use your suffering? Could God use your pain? For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. Those are strong words. And perhaps one of his most famous sayings ever in all of the Bible. For to me, in other words, if you're asking me, if you want my opinion, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. Is he crazy? Sounds like it. How does a guy who's in prison going, this, is, this stinks, this is horrible, saying, you know what, whether I live or die, it's all for Christ. That's what he wants you and I to get. You wanna be a Christian? A follower of Jesus Christ? Like, yay, that's awesome, right? We're like, yeah, I, I want heaven. But do you want Christ too? And what he's bringing up, he's not saying, man, just wait it out, heaven's coming. No, he says the pinnacle of life is a relationship and life spent with Christ, all about Christ. It's not new to speak up and say, I think some Christians would be mad if they got to heaven and Christ wasn't there and I think others would be like, I don't care. I think there's a mixed group going, I want the easy life, the paradise life. If Jesus is there, I don't care, right? I I think there's a tension with Christians nowadays where we don't know actually what it means to be a Christian. And Paul's like, a part of it? It's not safe. Here, here's a word that I imagine you're very familiar with. If you were to sum up what Paul is saying, He's saying he will do anything, even death, because life is about Jesus Christ. And I wonder how many Christians have forgotten that Christ is inside of that word and that title. (sighs) It's heavy, I know. Let's go back to Philippians. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Stop for a second. If you've ever wanted to have coffee, maybe with me or another pastor and say, what's my purpose in life? What's God's will for my life? That just told you spend the rest of your life helping others grow and experience the joy of their faith. No matter what setting you're in, no matter how well it's going for you, no matter how safe it is or how not safe it is, you just spend your life doing whatever you do, but the core of it being, I want to help others know who Jesus is. Help them grow in their faith. There's your purpose. And when I come to you again, You will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Summary point, I think we need it. If safety is first, God can't be. That's what Peter and that's what Paul, we're not talking about Mary, that's a pastor's joke. If safety is first, God can't be. That's how life works. Jesus taught us this. We know that we can't have more than one master. We struggle with this. I think Paul, the guy who wrote this, knows a little bit about suffering that maybe you and I don't know. I thought I'd take you to 2 Corinthians, just like, I bet this guy's life, I mean, prison's not that bad, right? You like free food, free housing, come on, no, here. Uh, here's what he says, are they servants of Christ? I, I know I sound like a madman, some of us are like, you do, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and face death again and again. Now watch this. I, I gotta explain this. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me thirty-nine lashes. You're like thirty-nine seems random. He's being he's being whipped. He's being beaten. Thirty-nine times, not forty, because it was it was deemed that if you got to forty, that the science said you're gonna die. So in the law they put, well, we can't do forty then. That's just wrong. Thirty-nine, and so what he's telling you and I that five times he's been beaten nearly to death. He's not done talking either. Three times, I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Now, if you're new to the Bible, uh, he's not he's not talking about being high like just. (laughs) At, at, at first glance, you're like, that's random. So, what, so he got stoned one time? I, what's that have to do with the beatings? Uh, if you don't know, uh, there was an old custom, which actually there's, you can find it on other parts of the globe, where if, if you were going against the culture, what was going on around you, whether it was the law or just what people thought, they could pick up rocks and throw them at you, and the whole group would do it, and you would be killed by the amount of rocks or stones being thrown at you. So he's just telling you, yeah, that's happened to me. Just for a second, can we can we as Christians say that when we complain about our everyday lives and our safe zones and people around us and what's going on, that maybe we've bought in the live culture. 3 times I was shipwrecked. Question for the crowd, how many times, how many shipwrecks do you need to have before you stop going on a boat? You ever been on a cruise? Most people who have a bad cruise experience, you're like, I'm done, not ever doing that again. He has three shipwrecks. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard. Actually, let's stop for a second. This just can't. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. Do you know what he's talking about? Have you ever had someone betray you and wrong you emotionally? See, some of you are like, well, if I was on a shipwreck, I'd keep at it. What about when someone wrongs you or betrays you? Culture says cancel them, get them out, screw everyone else. Just the point that he brings up I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone often gone without food I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm I know I've, I've belabored this and I, I get that and I did it on purpose I've belabored the whole topic so far, trying to get us kind of exhausted by the conversation of safety, and you're like, I get it. We're supposed to suffer. I'm not rewatching this sermon ever. Right? But I think we need to return to an error of mishandling this sermon. Here, should I disregard all safety in my life? Is that the response, right? Is that So is following Jesus Christ, someone, uh, and just, uh, I'm not getting political, I'm just gonna bring up what's going on, does that mean that nothing, no, no wisdom out in this world applies to me as a Christian, because I'm a Christian? Should I disregard all safety in my life? No. But what I see is a confusion between faith and risk. I'm not sure everyone has been taught the difference between faith and risk and there are Christians who are living by risk not by faith let me give you the short list this is not the whole list I think I'm gonna do a sermon series all about this someday but here faith and risk similarities they're both scary that's just how it works faith and risk both when you're about to go that's what makes risk risk and that's what makes faith faith where you don't know you don't know exactly how it's going to play out so it's scary but the difference in one's about God directed by God the other ones about you and directed by you Risk is about the thrill, the adventure, the I want this, my happiness, my conclusion. I'm going to go after this. And and God would never want me unhappy or dissatisfied or unfulfilled. No. So we risk. We risk jobs and relationships and locations and people and everything in our lives. And, And then if you try to follow God, not out of faith, but out of risk, you're left in confusion. You're like, God, why didn't you show up? I... I thought this is what you wanted for me in my life. I I did this for you, and he's like, I never asked you to. I think this is a basic, just a basic approach that perhaps some of us are not living by faith. Faith is simple, if God tells you, do it. But don't give God credit for things he never said. So maybe a lesson to land on, God is first. Safety isn't. I know some of you, I don't know if you work for OSHA or what, and you're like, what? (laughs) Let me tell you why I conclude with this. I don't think safety is bad. But I don't think you should get out of bed going, I'm going to try to make the safest thing happen today. Uh, I got to be very open with you. If you don't know me personally, I have a weird personality, so I'm just going to tell you a little bit about it and give you a little bit. I think this might connect to some of us, but just follow me on this. So um, during Katie and I's marriage, there's been a, some times that we've gone to get counseling to make us better and all that, and, and I remember one time we had to take this, this temporal uh, analysis, this temperament analysis, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ace this. That's my personality. And so I took the test, and, and I came back, and I, like, I scored like almost perfect. On self discipline. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like looking over at Katie, like, look, are you married? Self discipline. Thinking pretty good about myself till the uh, counselor's like, hey, David, that's a problem. I'm like, I don't see it. <laughs> I don't see it. He says, when you score that high, that's bad. That means you're too rigid. I'm like, but rigid's effective see what I'm telling you I I love rhythm Not, not dancing rhythm I love like rhythm in life and I love predictability and I like to look at situations and find the most effective thing to do and do it and I just love that process I am very type A yes and what I've had to learn is sometimes when you do that you get safe and I wonder if you might be in the same place we're out of an attempt to be effective you've become apathetic so maybe maybe this here's something I've done in my own life um, on Instagram uh, sorry for that but on Instagram I get ads all the time all the time and those people are in my house I don't know what's going on but they're listening and uh, and a mug came across and it, it advertised this safety second And you may not need this. I'm just telling you I needed it. I'll tell you why here in a second. So every morning, this mug is right by the coffee maker. It's ready, because again, I'm type A. The coffee maker's ready, ready to go. We don't need to waste time in the morning. It's good. Uh, I wanna remind myself that the best thing that can happen about the day is not that everyone and everything stay safe and I have to remind myself that God is first and safety is second to remind myself over and over and over again let me be very open I I struggle with this as a parent I would love to put each of my children in a bubble for the rest of their entire lives I get mad easily when someone hurts them recently uh, my daughter got a guinea pig And we didn't know that, like, when she got it, it was sick. We didn't know it, and it died, like, two days later. You know what Dad thought? Who sold that to you? (laughs) Then I didn't remember, no, I I can't do that. I'm just telling you some of my thoughts. But what we did is um, we as a family processed grieving together over a guinea pig. Um, My daughter experienced grief for the first time. It hurt her. I could spend my rest of my life trying to protect her from that. I think she's better already this week. As a husband, my role is not to make sure that uh, that my wife has no problems. In fact, more relevant to you, as your pastor, my job is not to lead this church to where we're the safest place, and and we do the things that make the most sense, and they're the most rational. My job first is that God tells us what to do and we do it. And there'll be moments that'll be like, yeah, that made sense, David, glad you did that. And there'll be times going, you're a crazy man, you're a crazy man. <laughs> safety second. So let me land here, I wanna give you some verses. If, you, if, you, if you've listened to this point, you're semi-interested in not making uh, safety an idol. So let me give you some verses, maybe to study on your own. But I think they're relevant for us. Uh, Luke 9, then he said to the crowd, Jesus did, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Welcome to life. You must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. This is what I think many Christians are doing, trying to hold on to their version of life, and they're losing it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Then one of my favorites Isaiah 6-8, perhaps a a prayer for you to utter over the next week or longer. Then I heard the Lord asking whom should I send as a messenger to this people, to to this group, right? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. If you don't know how to translate that, what if you and I were to wake up from now on instead of saying the best thing that can happen today is that everyone stays safe? What if the best thing can be is where each of us wake up and say, all right God, Send me. Wherever it is, send me. If it's a conversation that needs to be had, send me to that conversation. If it's forgiveness, send me to launch that conversation of forgiveness or restoration. If it's sacrifice, send me. Some of you, God might call to be a missionary. You're like, no! The world needs Jesus. and needs missionaries far away and nearby whatever God has of you, the better posture is not, is it reasonable, rational, and safe? It's, did God ask you to do it? Do it. God first, safety second. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, um, you've been messing with me for a while on this. So Lord, um, I'll say to you in front of some people, uh, help me be the pastor that you want me to be. God, help me to lead and to listen. And Lord, I also pray for all of us, every single one of us. And whatever relationships that we have, whatever callings that you've placed on our hearts, and whatever callings you will bring in front of us in the future, whatever requests that you have of us, whatever level of obedience we have refused to offer you, Lord, would you get into our souls and prompt us to be obedient to you in the ways that we are not? Lord, challenge us, but more importantly, Lord, would you use us for your work, for your glory, for your honor, for your kingdom? Help us to be a church that always leads with yes. We pray this in your name. Amen.